Hello everyone, I'm Eugene Weaver. Welcome to another episode of Cinema's Soft Underbelly, your one-stop shop for all things related to the horror genre, science fiction, fantasy, gems in the rough, grindhouse movies, uh, little scene movies that only a niche group might enjoy, which is going to be today's episode. Um, Obviously, uh, if you've been listening to my show, I kind of jump all over the place here, there, and everywhere as far as what I talk about. I just got done with some spaghetti western chat. And um, uh, on a previous episode here recently, I I had mentioned something about the fact that uh, there is... I recently found on YouTube there is some truly lost movies of the 80s, and not just 80s, but but a lot of the 80s, movies that are uploaded onto YouTube, they're, for the most part, they seem to be VHS dupes, which is okay, it's, it's better than nothing, but we're talking about movies that are long lost, uh, until smaller uh, niche Blu-ray studios like uh, Code Red, Scorpion, Vinegar Syndrome, uh, Olive, some of, some of the smaller ones, even Scream Factory, but some of these are even small enough that I'm not even sure Scream Factory would, would tackle. Um, but it's, it's cool to see movies that I have vague memories of seeing on the VHS shelves at uh, the local video stores. Some of them I've honestly never heard of. And then there's other ones that I'm like, I kind of remember seeing the box of that movie and it looked really cool. And uh, so uh, what I did is I went ahead and uh, I started watching a couple of these just to see what they're like. And uh, there is some gems in the rough. I must say I'm, uh, I'm, I'm surprised. Now, as for as many gems in the rough as there is, there is equal amounts of movies that haven't been picked up by any studios whatsoever on DVD or Blu-ray, mainly because the movies are. I don't want to say they're they're uh, they're not sellable because I think there's a market for even the crappiest movie. I think there's still a market for something like that, but uh, some of them are just really really bad. What's unfortunate though is uh, the ones that do work. Uh, I it it they need they need to be better they need to have better prints made because even watching them in this form is almost hurts your eyes and uh, that sucks because uh, you know there's still there's still some some enjoyment to be had one of the movies that I watched that uh, that does get a thumbs up now obviously I, I've already talked about Madman that was a thumbs up Splatter University horrible movie thumbs down. Um, Vinegar Syndrome, I will say this, Vinegar Syndrome, if you go to their site, uh, they actually have a an HD uh, print of the 1972 movie Silent Night, Bloody Night, and uh, it is free to download uh, legally, and they, they ask for a donation. You can make a donation if you want. If you don't want to, you just enter zero in the uh, enter credit card information, and that is a very good movie, especially for you non-horror fans out there or, or fan old school stuff that that's a very well-made gothic horror movie from the early 70s that i do recommend you recently watched on youtube and i have this is actually one that i have never heard anything about and this one though i believe it's out of print or uh there hasn't been they haven't and it, this movie has an interesting little past uh it's a canadian production from 1981 and uh 
directed by Jim Magnot's his name. Um, he, uh, just looking to see his filmography here, he hasn't done a whole lot of directing, mainly uh, just TV movies and then for his writing. So, uh, Ghostkeeper. Uh going to just real quick read the synopsis here for you. A group of three friends on a snowmobiling discover that an old woman resides in the hotel along with an evil entity that she is keeping in the basement. Now, um, interesting enough for this movie, uh, they, they, they ran out of funding for this movie about halfway through. Um, According to the director, the film's money started to run out when the movie was only half shot. So rather than cancel the production altogether, the film's creepy atmosphere. He said this explains the released film's rather uneven... In- um, so, uh, this movie, watching uh, watching this movie just recently, uh, they kind of just kind of... Uh, Trickled, trickled a very interesting experience watching the movie because I knew that before I watched the movie, and uh, the first half of the movie something like this, but the atmosphere in the movie in the uh, mountains of Canada and the music is quite good too, uh, to where it's like this is this is a really good, um, things turn south and you can just you can almost, uh, I think I've already hit on the Wendigo, the creature, at some point in one of my shows. Maybe not. I don't know. I've talked about so much creature and mountains, blah, blah, blah. And so I'm like, oh, cool. Okay, they're setting this up to be, you know, abandoned lodge. And there's, she's got a son. And there's this other creature type thing, maybe down the toilet fast. And it's just, it's so unfortunate because it's like half out of five stars. Uh, I thought that it was very watchable. Uh, it actually, to be honest with you, it, uh, the atmosphere, the location, uh, just a couple of the out of the blue at the at the lodge, and immediately that person gets killed off. Just like it's one of those what could have been type of situations to where out ran out of money. But hey, you know what? At least they got the movie made. And I, I mean, this is back in the days where they're shooting on film. It's not like they've got a high def video camera and they're shooting to just keep on rolling. Here, they, I mean, there's film stock that has to be purchased, and there's act so. Uh, interesting backstory on the movie for sure, and one that uh, that I think deserves a watch. If you do watch it on YouTube, and this applies for pretty much all of these, if you watch it on YouTube, the type of person I am, if that's all I can watch a certain movie that I really want to see, uh, is one to watch and just try to find those gems in the rough. That's my whole thing. Is what are and this one here, while not quite a gem. I do think it deserves to be seen, and I appreciate it for for what it uh, tried to do. So, anyway, anyway, um, so next up is uh, let's see if I can find this here. Um, next one that I watched on YouTube, uh, and there's a couple here that I've watched in between that I I wouldn't mind hitting on on this show, but I'm gonna be talking about it on the next Movie Freaks pod podcast. So. Uh, I, I want to hold off on that, uh, and they're a little bit more geared for movie freaks instead of uh, this show. So, next up is a movie called Aerobicide. Uh Now, this one here, I thought that uh, I had seen this um, back in the day on VHS, and um, I, I could be wrong. I, there was a there was a slasher movie set in. Uh, an aerobics 
or an aerobics school or a class or whatever. Uh, and I know it's not Death Spa. I've already seen Death Spa and on Blu-ray, and I thought it was maybe Killer Worker Workout, but I don't believe it is because, good lord, this thing was terrible. Uh, this one was from 1987, and uh, the budget. Oh boy, was it a thousand bucks? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, two years ago, a young woman named Valerie was burned after entering a tanning salon. Now her twin sister, Rhonda, runs a local gym where all of a sudden people are being murdered. Directed by David Pryor. And he's also done, um, wait for, oh, 34 credits, not bad. And in fact, he's actually still directing. He's got a Assassin's Fury coming out in 2015, Way of Redemption, which is a short movie, I guess. Um, I'm actually fairly surprised uh, at how many movies he has out. And actually, some of these I've actually I've actually uh, heard of. So where this thing comes in is... Oof, gee, this was actually one of his first movies, which would probably explain a lot. Um, so anyway, this movie is... Uh, at first, I'm like, okay, I might be able to get into this movie. It starts with a bunch of cheesy-looking 80s actresses uh, in teeny tiny little outfits in the gym working out and, and jumping all over the place. And I'm like, oh, this is so 80s. I feel like this is, should be a trauma movie. And it goes on and on and on and on and on and on. And then you start meeting some of the steroid jacked up dudes in this gym working out too. And then there's more talking. And then after a little while, uh, someone gets killed. And the, the killer's tool of choice in this movie is a large pin. And by large pin, I'm not talking about like a spike. I'm talking about like a bobby pin type of thing, except it's kind of big. Uh, but I mean, maybe, maybe the length of, uh, of, of your index finger. That's what the killer is using to kill people with is that he, so, and, and I'm pretty sure that the reason being is that gets around special effects. Uh, cause now we don't have to have knife wounds. Now, it's just a tiny little spurt of blood or something like that. It is. It's so. It, at first, I'm like, oh, that's hilarious, and then I'm like, okay, now that's so cheap that, uh, and I, you know, why they're doing it. Um, but there's, there's, you know, red herrings all over the place. And is it this big jacked up dude, or is it this stupid '80s cheesy lady actress that likes to get naked? Is you know, and it just goes on and on. And there's a cop involved and. Uh, it's this one here is this one here was painful. Was it as bad as Splatter University though? No, no, it wasn't. This was actually quite watchable compared to Splatter University. But uh, yeah, Aerobicide, aka Killer Workout from 1987, and I really don't have a whole lot else to say about the movie uh, because um, it's not good. Uh, I. The notes on the movie here on IMDb, not that it really matters, but the director found it very hard working with the director of photography because he had no respect at all for me and fought me all the way on every single thing that we shot. I can't imagine what there was to complain about. This was a point-and-shoot movie. There are certain movies that, uh, that you know, I'll give tons of artistic merit to. This is not one of them. This is, you, okay, you point the camera and then you hit, you, you start the camera to record what's what actors are doing. There's nothing fancy, nothing unique, nothing out of the ordinary uh, in this 
uh, in this movie at all. It, so I find that kind of odd. But uh, I've already spent way too much time on Killer Workout because the movie was a dog. Avoid, please. Um, okay, so uh, then I watched a couple more really, really good movies that, again, I want to hit on, on on Movie Freaks. In fact, I'll, I'll at least tease on what I'm going to be talking about on Movie Freaks on our next show. Uh, the Green Mile and the Jean-Claude Van Damme movie Welcome to the Jungle and uh, Never Lake, which was my blind roulette pick for that show, and Never Say Never Again, which was uh, Sean Connery's uh, jumping back into the Bond suit in the uh, 80s. Uh, so I'll get into those at a later date. Okay, so from from uh, from there, I actually jumped onto, uh, onto uh, Netflix, mainly because... Uh, a Robocide was so ungodly painful. I'm like, I, I can't, I can't do another one of these. So from there, I went to April Fool's Day, and I'm, just, I'm this is more focused on YouTube movies, but uh, April Fool's Day kind of fits into this as well. This would have been this. This feels like a type of movie that I would have been fine watching VHS of, but lucky for me, I got to watch the HD version on Netflix of April Fool's Day. Another 80s movie, 80s slasher, quote-unquote 80s slasher, from 1986. Uh, Fred Walton directed this movie, and he's actually done some good stuff. Uh, He directed, uh, uh, let me just see here, When a Stranger Calls, which was a very, very effective, very good movie from 1979. Highly recommend When a Stranger Calls. Um, And then he's done some other stuff in the 90s, uh, but not much, uh, but... Anyway, he's, it's not like he's a hack. April Fool's Day, however, uh, and I'm going to be talking, this is another one I'm actually going to be talking about on Movie Freaks, but I, I, I have to share on my own show my uh, total, complete, and utter disdain for this movie. When is a slasher movie not a slasher movie? That would be when you watch April Fool's Day. Now, there is going to be tons of spoilers, and there's going to be tons of spoilers on Movie Freaks when I talk about this as well. Uh, the whole setup of this movie is fine because it's a slasher movie. A group of nine college students staying at a friend's remote island mansion begin to fall victim to an unseen murderer over the April Fool's Day weekend. Okay, fair enough. So we're going with another holiday-type thing where someone's killing off obnoxious people for some dumb reason. Okay, no problem. Um, uh, this movie does have some good actor actresses in it. Uh, there's, uh, I know that uh, the one girl, I think Pat Barlow, I believe was it? No, that wasn't it. Um, there was one of the actresses. She was, uh, I really wish I would know her name because uh, I, I quite like her as, uh, as an actress. And I'm, I'm running up against a, a brick wall and who it is. One of the actresses named Deborah Foreman. She was in Waxwork, and I I I liked her work in Waxwork. I thought that was a, a cool horror movie. So she was in that. Um, I give up. Anyway, yeah. So she was in Friday the Thirteenth Part Two. The main girl in Friday the Thirteenth Part Two. And I'm t- I'm tired of trying to find her. Amy Steele. There it is. Amy Steele. Friday the Thirteenth Part Two. She was probably my favorite last girl in the Friday the Thirteenth series. I thought that she was great, and uh, she was. She was good in this movie too. In fact, she probably elevated it 
elevated the movie just a little bit. Also, oh yeah, before I forget, Biff was in this movie. Biff from Back to the Future. Uh, what is his full name? I don't know. Man, I'm not going to look it up because it's this movie is not good. Um, okay, so here's the thing. Um, uh, due to the film, some notes on this movie. Due to the film being light on violence, which this is going to tie into what I'm going to say next, it received frequent airings on late night television where it gained a large cult following. Um, the movie's storyline has often been likened to Agatha Christie's Ten Little Indians, uh, part of the 80s cycle of slasher films which, with titles and subjects based around commemorative days and events that got made after the box office success of 78's Halloween. Uh, obviously, Prom Night, Graduation Day, My Bloody Valentine, uh, Slumber Party Massacre, April Fool's Day, Friday the 13th, and its sequels, Silent Night, Deadly Night. Uh, all those movies, they, they have their, their holiday theme. Well, um, here's the thing with this movie. It's all a big, spoiler, it's all a big joke. No one gets killed. Everybody's in on the joke. It's this uh, college girl that's trying to prove to her dad that she's able to have a business or something. So she goes and devises this murder mansion type thing. And so we see people almost get killed, which leads you to believe that they're actually getting killed. But then they become part of the joke in the movie. And... um, None of it makes sense. I mean, it's literally, it's, to me, it was a slap in the face. It was a novel approach. I I get it. I get why they did that. It would have been way better utilized if the movie would have actually been a comedy or, uh, well, yeah, a comedy or maybe even a a suspenseful type thriller. Not even that. Uh, the, The simple fact that this is being sold as a slasher movie when no one even gets killed. In fact, there's a twist at the end to where, oh my goodness, someone actually is getting killed in the movie. No, there was another April Fool's Day joke. So it's it's just ridiculous. And uh, and the twist is good. I, I I appreciate the twist, but not in a not in an '80s slasher movie that is being sold as an '80s slasher movie. Uh, make it a comedy, then now you got something. Now it's okay. Okay, um, even even like the. Uh, uh, even a horror comedy, that would have been fine, like a wacky horror comedy, but the fact that this is just like any other slasher movie from the 80s, uh, other than it's all a big joke, that's the only real difference. And I know that this movie does have a following. I will say that. It's technically fairly competently made, if you like this type of thing. It's definitely on the... Uh, I've already talked about this this before, but it's almost like from 85 on the slasher landscape started to change. The look and feel of the slasher movie started to change into the, the hair metal type feel, like the way they were dressing and acting even. It felt more like like 80s hair metal, hair metal bands, Poison and Motley Crue and stuff like that. And this movie is very much starting to feel like that. Uh, and one of the first movies that I noticed that with was 1985's Friday the 13th, A New Beginning. For some reason, that just that movie just felt it, it felt very different than Part Four, which was in '84, and and there was a shift in tone in horror movies, and so this movie definitely falls into that bracket. Unfortunately, it's just simply not good. I didn't like it at all. So, anyway, there's the spoiler. You now know what it is, and the thing is. Uh, if you haven't seen it, and I mean you're up for that type of thing, it's fine. But you're not missing much, in my opinion. It's eh. So, 
Anyway, so next up is uh, <laughs> one that um, technically this is probably, well, no, this isn't the worst movie made on the list. That would be, I think, uh, the Robicide movie. But this movie is, it's hilarious. Uh, yet somehow very endearing and easy to watch. Uh, and that is, I mean, I'll just, it's, it's the Sorority House Massacre movies. And uh, I'll tell you, these movies, <laughs> uh, I, I'm wondering if I talked about th- these before for any reason. Uh, I may, I'm not sure if I have or not. Uh, I, again, I forget what, what I've talked about and what I haven't. Uh, but the Sorority House produced movies, and the first one was directed by a woman, Carol Frank, and Asker Part 2. Jim Warnarski. Wynorski, I think is how you just finished watching, though, is Sorority House Massacre Part, wait for it, that's right. Um, oh, boy. Uh, it's it's interesting. It's called Hard to Die from 1990 and directed by Jim Warnarski again. Five attractive women are terrorized by a series of bizarre killings. They suspect strange janitor who witnessed another series of killings years back, is at the bottom of the whole thing. Something about these movies is just hilariously easy to watch. Or five, uh, if they're not porn stars, I'm star quality actresses, into an enclosed setting of only a couple rooms stalking them for some reason or another. And uh, when the knife comes down, we have to make sure that the girls almost immediately uh, have to take showers, and then especially part two was all about. Now, uh, parts two and three are and uh, spirit hopping from body to body killing type of thing. These are bottom of the underbelly of horror. Uh, but for some, you think that these, for the most part, are played for laughs. These aren't to be taken remotely seriously. Um, but this one here, if you liked, if you... If you're one of five people, part three, Hard to Die, is certainly in that mix of people. Uh, this is one to pour yourself a drink or light up a J or whatever you want to do. Uh, Sorority House Massacre Part 3. Sit back and enjoy 77 minutes of complete. Um, and even the, the the quality of the filmmaking, you can tell it's a late eight. Get a kick out of these movies. And I have a feeling that the movie was made in uh, probably all of... Uh, all of a couple, yeah. I see here on the on the notes, shot in ten days. Three separate titles actually: Hard to Die, Sorority House Massacre Three, and Tower of Terror. Yeah, that's something. Um, uh, Mr. Arch Stanton is actually Jim Warnarski, so it, he actually goes by Arch Stanton. Sergio Leone's The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. So, so Sorority House Massacre Three, same universe. Um, I like that a lot. That really, really makes. Uh, yeah, so uh, the actresses in here, Gail Harris is in this, Deborah Dutch is in this, Melissa's in this. Um, she's someone, actually, look, clicking on her IMDb, she was in Repossessed, which actually was a list of 32 credits, so good for her. Um, other other actresses include, <laughs> um, let's see, let's see on uh, Tony uh, Napples, I guess is how you... Oh, the Sword and Sorcery Collection. Okay, so she so she was in Deathstalker Part 2, and, and she was also in Sorority House Mass. Uh, so, there you go. That's 
something. Uh, but and I, I enjoyed this movie. I really do. I think it's it's funny. Um, is it as good as part two? Uh, there, um, and more than likely, every single listener has now tuned out because I'm talking about Sorority House Massacre movies. Uh, but. I, yeah, it's about the same as part two. I, now that I'm now that I'm on this, I'm gonna just I'm just gonna keep keep at it, and I'm gonna talk about Sorority House Massacre Part Two because it's my show, and I'll talk about whatever the hell I want. Uh, five college women uh, buy the old Hockstetter place for their new sorority house, and the Hockstetter place is where the events of Part One happen. But actually, Sorority House Massacre Two is a sequel to Slumber Party Massacre Part One. Uh, they got it cheap because of the bloody incidents at, from five years before. They decide to stay in the, in it for the night so they can meet the movers in the morning. Uh, but begin to get the creeps when the weird neighbor Orville Ketchum starts poking around. Shortly after the women take showers and consult a Ouija board, they begin experiencing uh, a serious problem in the house. I know I talked about this before, which makes this all the funnier that, that I'm actually talking about Sorority House Massacre Part 2 again. Um, but why not? Because it's got scantily clad women in the movie, and it's got ketchup being sprayed on the wall, and uh, it's got uh, spirit uh, hopping uh, killer that hops from person to person, because that's what you do in a movie that was shot in a couple days. Um, Seven days. So actually, the third one, the third one really stepped up, stepped up their game, and was uh, ten days instead of seven. So there you go. They keep improving. You see, um, the tagline for the movie is "It's cleavage versus cleavers," and the result is Delta Delta Deadly. I actually would like a shirt that says that. So any any listener out there that wants to get me a custom made. Uh, soft underbelly shirt that says it's cleavage versus cleavers and the result is on the and then on the back it would say delta delta deadly sorority house massacre part two um <laughs> and I, I i gotta say here i'm gonna because this is comical to me um the plot keywords for this movie on imdb are topless topless female nudity female nudity female frontal nudity bare breasts cult film so there you go uh, but the budget was $150,000, which I'm thinking, wh- what? Where did that money get spent? I believe this was in a, someone's house with practically no lighting, and unless they had $150,000 worth of ketchup bottles that they were spraying on the wall, um, uh, I would guess that that comes from film stock. And now I'm just rambling about nonsensical nothingness, but I'm having a good time because it's Sorority House Massacre, people. Um, Sorority, Sorority House Massacre Part 1 actually has a Blu-ray release from the awesome Scorpion releasing, and uh, unfortunately, it's $24.95. It's a limited edition of only, I think, 1000 or 1200 Only able to purchase the movie on their site, their own personal site, or on uh, Diabolic DVD, which they are known for... Uh, selling really hard-to-find, rare, uh, Region B, uh, limited edition Blu-rays from around the world. Um, but shipping also is $5. So literally, you're paying $30 for a copy copy of Sorority House Massacre Part 1, not Part 2 and 3, just Part 1. So uh, you could probably do the math uh, if you want, Uh the movie is 75 minutes long, so I'm not going to do the math, but you're 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 paying a lot per minute for what is ultimately um, 
on the very, very scraping the very bottom of 80s slasher cheese. Yet somehow I really, really want that movie in my collection. Really bad. And um, I'm hanging my head in shame right now, knowing that eventually that will be in my collection. I am promise you that will be. Uh, but this guy here, he's holding out for parts two and three on Blu-ray as well. That way I can have all three of them side by side in my collection, loud and proud, right beside my good, the bad, and the ugly. So, yay. Anyway, I'm going to quit rambling about really, really crappy horror movies and uh, wrap things up. Uh, you can get a hold of me at eugene-weaver at hotmail.com to um, scold me for liking Sorority House Massacre series and other uh, completely useless garbage on YouTube. That, that for some reason I think should be seen. Uh, and also stay tuned for more upcoming goodness from Movie Freaks where you're actually going to hear about really good movies over there. Uh, especially this next episode, we've got a whole bunch of, of great stuff in store for you, so make sure you tune in to iTunes. Uh, there was some glitches there, but I think that we're up and running. Regardless, if we're not, stay tuned. We're going to be, I promise. And our friends at Cinema Sidekicks talking about the opposite of what I talk about. Thank God. Uh, I always like to listen to them. And in a week from today, there's going to be a Megapod show that I am so looking forward to. So excited to be a part of that show as we wrap up our best of 2014. And uh, we have a whole list of, of things we're going to cover as far as you know, best action scene, best effects scene, saddest moment funniest moment, all that good stuff. It's going to be a blast. I can't wait for it. And we're actually, all of us are going to review a movie for my own show, Soft Underbelly. Uh, and that movie I actually have watched before. I'm going to just, I'm not going to say anything about it right now, but it is a big thumbs up. Uh, it is a very much a gem in the rough, and I'm looking forward to having them watch the movie and chime in on it as well. So again, uh, I hope that you've enjoyed this episode. At the very least, I hope I've given you a laugh on this Friday and, uh, uh, who knows, you might watch one of these movies and be like, yeah, you know what, that wasn't too bad for a drinking movie or whatever you do when you watch these cheesy things. So, uh, Anyway, I'm Eugene Weaver, and until next time. <laughs>